If you're trying to conceive and feeling overwhelmed with fertility advice, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to Don't Tell Me to Relax, your fertility podcast and antidote to unhelpful fertility information. I'm Hannah, a fertility acupuncturist, teacher and campaigner for better fertility education. This podcast aims to empower and inform you about your menstrual cycle and fertility. It's basically all that information you didn't get in sex ed at school with the aim of improving your understanding of your reproductive health and optimizing your fertility. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Tell Me to Relax, the antidote to unhelpful fertility information. And this episode is all about testing and testing for fertility and I guess really testing for uh, menstrual cycle irregularities, kind of following on from an episode that we've done previously about that. So I sort of feel even if you're not trying to conceive or maybe, you know, you're trying to conceive, you're thinking about it in a, in a year's time, hopefully this episode is going to give you some information about what tests you might want to consider and when you might want to consider them. And once again, I'm joined by lovely Katie. Katie, how are you? Um, I'm very well. I'm very hot. It's um, hot whilst we're recording this, so I'm, I'm sticky. <laughs> yeah. Sticky is a really good word. Um, mm. We were just saying before we came on how we're both tired and we think and we hope that it's because of the uh, heat. I think it's really having an impact because mm. we've basically not had any hot weather at all, have we? And now it's like, it's gone Pulling. from nothing to 30 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on cycle day five, so that's not helped with the tiredness and the heat and the, the combination. But yeah, surely it's the heat because I am tired. Yeah, I usually like the heat. I feel like as I've got older, it's getting, I'm, yeah, I'm turning into one of those people who starts complaining about the heat. And in fact, I'm not, I'm going to shut up right now because let's not continue this conversation. So, Katie, testing. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. Testing is a really difficult one, isn't it? Because we get lots and lots of questions about it. We've definitely done webinars about it in the um, Facebook group and as part of um our course that we ran last year on uh, fertility support. And it's something that we talk a lot to with people in clinic because I sort of feel like there is this general problem around testing in that people find it difficult to access their GPs. People find that they might go to their GP and they are too easily dismissed. So they're told to kind of go away, keep on trying. And, and there is just this huge history of people having periods or period problems, menstrual cycle issues that are not properly investigated and treating. And I feel like fertility is like an extension of that. What do you reckon? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it's tricky with testing often because people don't know what tests to be asking for as well. And so it's just kind of a bit like, well, I need to get tests done, but it's like, I don't know what I'm asking for, what um like the next steps and things are so I think having a bit of an outline for that is really really helpful I listened to a talk last week and they were discussing how so often infertility is viewed as like something almost that you opt into and how um it's a, a choice to kind of be trying to have a family and yet it is a health issue and like whether you're trying to conceive and imagine a lot of people here are trying to conceive like it should be taken seriously and um should be investigated appropriately 
Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because the thing around fertility, especially around female fertility, I think more so than male fertility, is that there are such a huge range of testing and there is no one test. I guess for male, I know there are lots of different male testing now, but there is just the one semen analysis that's seen as the kind of test for men. And you can tell a lot, obviously, from that test. But from a female point of view, there are actually quite a lot of areas to test. And there's quite a lot of things that you can't test. So there is no test for egg quality at all. The only test for egg quality is whether the egg is fertilized and whether that embryo then develops appropriately, goes on to be a healthy pregnancy and then a, a, a live birth. So it, there are still quite a lot of things that you can't test and that you know it's it's not it's not like there is a test for fertility that can tell you yes you're fertile it's like you've got to look at lots of different areas that can support your fertility but it's never definitive yeah it's um it's a shame there's not kind of a one-stop shop where it's just like this is not yeah. just you need this is going to tell you everything that you need like there are so many factors for fertility and that's why it's complex because there are so many areas, like you say, to look at and one area will impact another, will impact another, and it can have this kind of like domino effect. And um, I don't say that to like scare anyone, but just the fact that like it is complex and testing can feel like its whole own thing of like once you open that can of worms, it's like, oh God, there's, there's a lot to take in, but hopefully we're going to go through at least like the kind of basics of where to start that's right and and really i guess a good place to start is around when to go for testing so yeah sort of the nhs guidelines are kind of around the idea that under the age of 36 they recommend waiting for a year so you have a year of having unprotected regular sex and if after a year there is no pregnancy then that's when they recommend going for testing it, over the age of 36, they do actually recommend only six months, waiting for only six months. And also just to caveat both of those things, that if you have any underlying issues, so any underlying health issues that could impact your fertility or menstrual cycle issues, then again, it's it's recommended to go for testing sooner rather than later. So sort of six cycles is still the recommended guide. What what do you think about that, Katie, with sort of your fertility awareness hat on? Where do you stand on the guidelines around testing i think in terms of when to get tested really the sooner the better just because you know what you're dealing with i mean if your menstrual cycle seemingly is ticking all the boxes that we talk about in terms of length the amount of bleeding when your ovulation is how long your luteal phase is like if all of those things are good then perhaps there isn't the same kind of urgency but if you are like concerned about your menstrual cycle in any way then I would just say if you can access testing then the sooner the better because you you just understand what you're dealing with then and you can start to implement changes like all the things that we talk about on here um that can then support the menstrual cycle and um get you feeling better and also get your menstrual cycle in a place where conception is far more likely to happen yeah I think, uh, um, and also what, you know, if somebody is going, so let's say we're, we're, we're going to divide it into female testing and male testing, and we're going to do basic testing, and then we're going to look at the other tests that are out there. So in terms of somebody who's been trying, maybe they've been trying for six months, maybe they've been trying for 12 months, and they're like, actually, I want to go and get some tests done. 
what would you recommend that they do? So I would say you want to, so in the first part of your menstrual, so there's, there's testing you can get in the first part of your menstrual cycle and testing that you can get in the second part. So we refer to like day three tests a lot. So that's when you're getting tested on day three of your menstrual cycle. So things that you'd want to be looking at there are like estrogens, estrogen, FSH, LH, maybe prolactin in some cases, um, like testosterone, um, thyroid related um, hormones. Um, so that's like a good starting point in terms of the day three ones. Am I missing anything there? No, you're not actually. But what's interesting is that I did go and read the nice guidelines today Ooh. about testing. And what they recommend on day three tests is just for LH and FSH. So ah. no, uh, yeah, no, um, they do not. Well, it's not included in there. They do not usually recommend as part of the uh, initial standard. Concept, yeah. Uh, testosterone, um, thyroid is not included as a first line test. Unless yeah, it's a tricky one. Obvious symptoms of thyroid problems. And prolactin also is not recommended as a first line of fertility test because um, uh you, you need to have an irregular cycle. So if you've got an irregular cycle, then they will test um, prolactin, but otherwise it's not recommended, which was actually um, quite surprising because I, you know, from, from my point of view of wanting to understand somebody's sort of menstrual cycle health and full fertility kind of picture, they are definitely tests, as you've just said, that I would be wanted to investigate. Yeah, it's interesting that they don't. It's just those, just those two for day three. Yeah. That's such a and small I, part of the picture. Yeah, and actually the first test that they recommend is actually a progesterone test. So it's the day, well, you know, I'm not going to call it <laughs> progesterone test, but that test in the second half of your menstrual cycle for progesterone, that is the first line of um, testing to confirm ovulation, to confirm to somebody that they're, they're ovulating. So let's just talk about that test because that test causes a lot of problems. So it's called in the textbooks, the day 21 progesterone test. Tell us about it, Katie. It's such a stupid name. <laughs> it's a uh, So the theory behind it being called the day 21 test is, so we're wanting to be able to test progesterone um, at the point where it's at its peak. So what we're looking for is for that to be about seven days after ovulation, um so this is totally assuming you one have a 28 day cycle and that two you're ovulating on day 14 and then also so number three that you have a 14 day luteal phase there's a lot of assumptions for this to be a day 21 test um so what you want to be looking for for this day 21 progesterone test is to know when you ovulate so this is why we're always talking about tracking looking at your cervical mucus basal body temperature and you're wanting to get your test done ideally seven days after ovulation so that's going to give you um a good indicator of like where your progesterone levels are at and like being able to confirm if ovulation has happened so it is a really useful test but so often i'm sure you've seen it where you just get these readings where i'm like it's because you either haven't ovulated yet or you've only just ovulated and progesterone isn't at its peak so this reading isn't necessarily reflective of what your actual like peak progesterone levels are so that's why we're always talking about tracking your cycle understanding when you ovulate because you're going to get the most out of your testing as well then 
Yeah, and it, and it's interesting that the when I was reading about it, the the recommendation for the progesterone testing is actually, you know, we always talk, don't we, about gluteal phase and luteal phase support and making sure you've got a good luteal phase. So we talk about progesterone in relation to that. But the progesterone testing in relation for fertility testing is literally just to confirm that you've ovulated and that's that's all it's in that's all it's doing so i guess it i was thinking, sort of thinking about it today thinking is that really of any i guess if you've got an irregular cycle or if you're not sure you've ovulate you're ovulating then maybe that does have some value but actually you know if you know your cycle and you understand menstrual cycle awareness, you understand the basics of fertility, then you're going to be pretty confident that you're ovulating anyway, because you're going to know that you've got cervical mucus, you're probably using OPKs, you've been counting your days, you've got a normal period. So there's probably nothing within your cycle that's showing you any signs of not ovulating or ovulating problems for lots of people. So I was sort of a bit like, I'm not really sure what the point of that test is, but obviously I understand that they have to do it in case you're not ovulating, but sort of feel like if you're not ovulating, you usually know about it. Yeah, if you're not ovulating, it's likely you have like these, yeah, long, irregular cycles or no cycle at all. And um, yeah, your body can give you very clear signs of ovulation if you're looking for them. So yeah, it's um, it can be a useful test, but I think, yeah, tracking your cycle, there's a lot to be said for that in terms of um, seeing the effects of progesterone and what it is or isn't doing. Mm, yeah. Um, and so really, in terms of blood testing, so the, so the basics that are offered on the NHS are day three. So that's looking at FSH and LH and then progesterone, the seven days after ovulation. That's kind of like your first line standard testing that is that is offered um and then other than that there's there's not really a lot else so you know we would always look at prolactin we'd always look at thyroid we definitely want to be looking at vitamin d levels because it's so important for fertility possibly yeah. iron as well so many people are, are, have low iron so that's a, another important one so there is it also this is the i guess where confusion comes from there is the world of kind of what is the guidelines, you know, in terms of NHS testing. And then there are, there is the testing from the kind of wider, more holistic perspective to get a, a wider understanding of your fertility health. And, you know, it's difficult to know the guidelines are there for a reason, but I would argue that, you know, a wider approach to testing might be more helpful to lots of people because how many people have got thyroid problems? And if you're, you know, if it's not recommended, um, then it's not being tested enough and it, it might be being missed and it, we know that it can have such an impact. So I was quite surprised by that, to be honest. The other test that is often recommended as part of fertility exploration is a transvaginal scan. And this test really is to check on uh, your the health of your ovaries, to look at the number of your follicles, to check the endometrium for polyps or fibroids or, or any uterine cavity issues. I guess it's also useful if you've got suspected polycystic ovaries because it's going to be able to count the uh, number of follicles. But I, in clinic, see that lots of people really struggle to get this test done. I don't know what you see. Yeah, um, difficulty getting it, definitely. And then um, potentially long waits to get it as well. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think that it can be a really helpful one. Again, if you've got cycle irregularities then this is gonna be a really helpful diagnostic test to work out, for example, why you might have uh, 
you know, mid-cycle bleeding or why you might be having heavy periods or, you know, if you're suspecting um, uh, polycystic ovaries, again, it, it could be a really helpful one, but it's, it, it really varies as to whether people are offered this. Often, I, I, what I see a lot is that GPs will do um, blood tests. They're quite happy to refer to blood tests, I guess, because they're not expensive. But in terms of any further investigations, then I guess unless there is an underlying reason, so unless there is like a cycle issue, if it's kind of standard fertility and you don't really know why and your cycle's normal, it seems really hard to get this test done. And yet I think it can give so much value. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. I've seen clients get a lot of um, answers to what's going on with their cycle because you you get you're seeing inside basically and seeing structurally is it an environment that will lend itself to a pregnancy and if there's things there then then you know like what you're dealing with and then there's the things like what options are available to you and like it, it yeah I think it provides a lot of answers or just the reassurance of everything is okay and yeah. I think that in itself can be um take a real weight off your shoulders yeah, because a lot of the time it's difficult to know, isn't it? It's a bit like chlamydia screening. Chlamydia mm. screening is recommended as part of fertility kind of workup because it's very um, common to have chlamydia and not realise that you've got chlamydia and that can cause all kinds of like scarring problems, tubal problems. So, you know, without having these tests, I know that chlamydia test is not a, a transvaginal scan, but it's a, it's a test, but it's important because sometimes there are issues that might not show up in your menstrual cycle that could be impacting your fertility. And it's important to consider this as part of understanding why you might be struggling to conceive. Yeah, 100% better to know and detect these kind of like symptomless things. Or, yeah, as we said, just to be like, cool, everything is all right. Like yeah. we can carry on and keep trying. Yeah, and sort of reduce some of that anxiety that, yeah. you know, when you don't know, that's when your mind can go off in so many different directions. So when you've got yeah. some answers, it can just help. It can help kind of stop worrying about certain things that aren't you don't need to be worrying about. 100%. My therapist's favourite phrase for me is um, anxiety breeds off of uncertainty. I think there's yeah. um, a lot of truth in there. <laughs> I like that. I really like that. Um, and so when it comes to male testing, so this is, again, a really interesting area. So male testing, again, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Casey, but I would recommend if I was trying to conceive I would recommend going to get male testing done immediately. Like I wouldn't wait. I would because I just think it's a really straightforward test that can give you so much information. And really, we know that sperm health is declining. We know that it's much more common than we think. We know that it's massively under um, tested. And so I think why not go and get it tested straight away? Because a bit like you know, you can look at a menstrual cycle, can't you? you can and you can make a fairly good assessment that if you've got a good menstrual cycle things are probably working okay or you hope that things are working okay you've got quite a lot of good information there but if you if it comes to male testing like how do you know man could be walking around looking healthy you know lots of people say to me oh he's really healthy he goes to the gym yeah. he doesn't smoke I don't I don't imagine there to be any problems with his sperm or the other one that's quite common is he's had a previous child so he's had a previous child, therefore it, the yeah. issue is 
definitely with with him yeah. and we know that sperm is so um subject to change and influenced by the external and it can really do a 360 so i would suggest checking sperm as soon as possible what do you reckon yeah 100 percent. i totally agree i think um like you said like sperm is very um influenced by surroundings and environment and whilst that can mean perhaps like the sperm quality isn't what you want it to be there's it's good news in that there's lots of things you can do to turn around sperm quality in about three to six months because of the way sperm is created so if there are issues there there are lots of things you can do to support um like the motility so that's how they swim the morphology that's what they look like um and then like the concentration so they're the kind of some of the key things that um you'll be looking at in tests and yeah you want those results to be as good as possible because like i remember when i did my fertility awareness course we were talking about male testing and um we got shown these pictures of like healthy looking sperm and um and you're like oh yeah that's what i know sperm to look like and then there was the ones that had like poor morphology so the ones that like weren't the best shape and um so like you see them and then they're like missing heads they've got two heads they're like completely misshapen they've got no tail and it's like you want yeah you just want the quality of it to be as good as possible because so i think like the the who guidelines for morphology is like four percent is normal and it's like well that means four out of every hundred are like good good looking sperm and the rest of them aren't so smart so great so yeah you want those parameters to be as good as possible and that yeah there are things you can do to improve them so i would say yeah get tested early get some answers nice and quick and um then that way you know if there's stuff to work on or if you can just keep going as you are yeah because you can kind of tick it i would say it's a bit like a tick list isn't it because mm. there's so many areas that can influence your fertility and when you start to kind of investigate it you kind of go you start with this wide um kind of tick list of these are all the things that could be impacting it and you kind of work through them you know uh hormones sperm you know environment you know lifestyle and you kind of and then you kind of get more and more refined the further along that you go because you know uh all the kind of more complex testing are, are rarer and shouldn't be considered i don't think as, as a first line of testing but sperm is one that you could you could do at home you know there are home test kits that can give you and they're not they're not perfect but they can definitely give you a head start and any problem with a sperm result so again nhs guidelines say that if you have a sperm test that is not optimal it's not ideal it should be retested in 3 months time because but that because just because that sperm changes all the time and so 3 months retest will really give you some good information about what might be going on and and further investigations to um get so there were a few um, home sperm tests that I think we could recommend and we'll put them on the end of the show notes. Yeah, perfect. There's um, yeah some good ones out there and you can, I think, yeah, being able to do that in the comfort of your own home might take away some of the anxiety of doing that test. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> in terms of um, what if you go to your GP, if you go to your GP and they say no, come back, you're not eligible for testing, we're not going to do that, we don't think that, you know, you qualify, what would be your advice if somebody's been given that information? So I would say that, first of all, if you feel like that particular GP um, or doctor hasn't listened to you, you can always request to speak to someone different. So 
and get that second opinion. Um, sometimes that can just be the easiest way around it. You might feel much more comfortable speaking to someone different then as well. Um, if you are going to speak to someone different, maybe see if there's a, um, someone who specialises in fertility within your GP practice. So then that way they just may be a bit more clued up in this stuff. What else can we do, Hannah? Well, I, I would also say going in with your list of tests that you want to be done, because, you know, nowadays, you know, obviously GPs are under so much pressure and going in and saying, I would like to have my day three hormones tested. I would like to have vitamin D. I would like to have my thyroid. I would like to have this. You know, you sort of go in sort of instead of asking what you could have it go in saying this is what I would like to have tested please as part of a fertility assessment and I think that sometimes people have found that to be uh really really helpful and uh people are like yeah fine and they'll just tick the boxes on the form and give you the blood test so that can be another way of doing it and also of course there is this massive massive explosion of home testing kits that we use a lot in clinic I use them personally I recommend them to lots and lots of patients and you know there's medichecks fertility screen me test me let's get checked there's hundreds of them now and they are really um able to give you so much information at home and and they do all the testing so they do the estrogen the testosterone they do the full thyroid panel you know they do, they do it all and you know, they, you do have to pay for them, but they're not ridiculously expensive and they can be a way of just getting some information, especially if you're at that point where you just want to get it checked for that peace of mind. You know, you just kind of want to go, I want to rule it out. I'm going to see where they're at. I'm going to see what my FSH is. I'm going to check my AMH if that's what you really want to do. And, you know, doing it at home is a good way of getting that information. Yeah, I agree. I think they're um, a very useful resource um to have and like you say it can give you a lot of information so i think the home testing is a great way forward if um that's the route you want to choose i also know that you can do it um for sperm tests as well i know there are the at home sperm test kits but there's also the um ones that you can do through medichecks where you go and book an appointment and you actually go into a testing center and do a sperm test there so um that could also be something to consider if you do want proper a sperm analysis. So, you know, Medichecks do do that. And I do think they offer that throughout the country. So it's worth checking whether you've got that service available to you if you're struggling to get your sperm tested. That's great. I didn't know they did um, appointments, like yeah. you go somewhere. That's really good. Yeah. Katie, any other top tips for kind of approaching your GP and getting your fertility investigated? I would recommend taking a bit of time to prepare ahead of your appointment. So then you can just have a think about what questions you really want some answers to or what tests it is that you're looking to get. It will just help you to feel a lot less anxious in the appointment, less kind of flustered and also just having something to refer to, I think, as well can be helpful rather than just trying to remember everything. Um, other things that you can also do is you can take someone to your appointment. I've done this before and had someone um my partner like helped me explain some stuff when I was like struggling to explain something and um so that can be helpful and then it's also helpful just to have another set of ears hearing what the GP says back um because you'll be trying to take everything in and that can sometimes be quite overwhelming and I don't, I'm sure we've all had this where you come out of a doctor's appointment and you're like what what did they even say so um having someone with you 
And you can also I'd like just ask your GP before you do it, but you can like voice record your appointments. So um, then that way you can listen back to it and just make sure that you're like taking in all the information that they're offering you. So that can just be a really helpful thing to do. And then lastly, I would say take your charts, take all the information and data that you've collected about your cycles. And then that way it's clear evidence, if you like, of what's been happening. And this is why we're always saying chart as much information as you're like interested in or want to, because then this is all stuff you can take to your appointments um, and just making sure that it's really clear to whoever you're speaking to what the kind of issues are, that these are like recurrent things that are happening with every cycle. And then um, with that, it may be you get the investigations that you're hoping to get. If you've enjoyed listening to this and want to find out more, then come and join my free community in Facebook. We have loads of resources. You can catch up on all our previous webinars and be the first to know about forthcoming events. To sign up, just follow the link in the show notes. And if you'd like to work one-to-one with myself or one of the team, then please see our website, hannahpern.com, where you can book in directly or organize a discovery call to find out how we can support your fertility and your reproductive health.